How powerful is the phrase, I love you. I love you. Hi, this is Neil with Other People's Shoes. I want to call your attention to a new app that I've discovered called World Love Bank. Now, let me tell you something really quick. There's something powerful about the phrase, I love you. It can do wonders to our mental health. It can just make us feel like we matter and that we value that person that we say it to. Now think about this for a second. Think about the person you you. love most in this world. Got him? Now imagine just for a brief moment, imagine if you could never hear the words, I love you you," ever again. That's what World Love Bank is all about. See, what they're doing is they're capturing the I love yous from loved ones that you can go back in and go into that bank like a savings account and withdraw that I love you. you. Even if that loved one is passed because maybe that loved one has banked their I love you and it'll be there forever. So think about that. Check it out right now. World Love Bank on your favorite app store of choice, whether that be Apple iOS or Android Google Play. Check it out now. World Love Bank. I love you. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for listening today. Do appreciate you as always. And of course, if you want to show some appreciation, I would love for you right now to jump on over to your favorite social media of choice, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a tweet, give us whatever. You can do that at OPS Podcast Show under those favorite social medias of choice. Or even a step further, you can jump right over to OPSPodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail there. Or you can even leave a comment there. Send us a comment. We'd love to hear that too. Help me welcome in our guest today, coming straight from her living room. I love it when we get to do living room interviews. It's, it's always fun. But I feel like I feel like I'm like eight miles down the road a little ways. Now, what I might be referring to is if you guys know and you've been around the show long enough, you guys know I'm a huge Tar Heels fan. Well, eight miles down the road from Chapel Hill is this little place called Durham. Now, we're not in Durham. However, I do wish we were because that would be fun like a Durham coffee shop. So just in your mind, imagine we're at a Durham coffee shop because I really feel like we're in enemy territory in some respects. But this young lady is definitely not my enemy. In fact, she is one of my near and dear friends. And you guys might remember a ways back, back in that March time period, we, we made this silly bet together that if North Carolina beat Duke... She would have to wear a North Carolina hat. So stay tuned for that. That's that's coming. And I'm so thankful because if North Carolina had lost to their arch rival Duke, by the way, on Coach K's last night in Cameron Indoor, oh, by the way, if Duke had somehow prevailed, I would be donning a Duke shirt. So thankfully, Jesus saw fit that North Carolina won. But help me welcome in my guest, my good friend, Tina. Tina, how are you today? I'm good, even though I have to wear that darn Tar Heels hat. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out to me since our bet, and they say that I should have worn a Duke shirt because it would have made you happier. You know what? I didn't think about that, but you are a terrible person for not doing that. (laughs) That is so absolutely true. You should totally have worn one just to support me, Neil Matthews. You know, I thought about going to Goodwill to try to find one, but apparently... They don't sell them at Goodwill, so... No, because they're so popular. Yeah, nobody wants to give that shirt no, away, right? No, nobody wants to give it away. Nobody wants to give that no, away. No, <laughs> but I will I will fulfill our bet and wear Good. that darn hat. You should, and I can't wait. That's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. 
So Tina, first off, a little background on you. You and I met when I started going to this little church called New Beginnings. You were active in the youth ministry at the time, and I had just left a church on staff doing youth, kind of how our paths end up crossing. But I got to tell you, your heart and soul and just energy for not only young people, but just children in general has always been a trait that I've respected about you. And I just want to share that with you. Oh, well, thank you. You know what? Kids have always been my happy place and being able to teach kids about Jesus has even been more so of just my passion in life. So yeah, and I remember you coming on and you and I had, we had a great little camaraderie from the very get go and mostly it was over North Carolina and Duke, but then it kind of grew into a friendship and of course a love because I do love you, Neil, even though you're a dang Tar Hills fan. And that is true because I think even your daughter, Allison, really kind of took up that mantle as well of maybe not liking me at first because of the Carolina thing. Oh, but, absolutely. But, but I think now we can at least be in the same room together and, and it's okay. So Allison, thank you for, for not uh, being mean to me all those years too in, in youth. <laughs> right, right, right. But Tina, getting into you and, and what you're about and your story and what you're walking through right now, before we get to all that, I want to ask you this very fun question that I love to lead off every show with, and that's this. What style of shoes do you like to wear? Well, that is awfully funny that you say that because I used to always wear Birkenstocks. You know what? Because I was a hairdresser for 30 years, was what was comfortable standing on my feet for hours and hours a day. But now, since I don't walk anymore, I can wear whatever shoes I want. And I prefer slippers. Is there a, is there a certain brand of slipper? Or we just don't, we don't care as long as they're comfy, right? I don't care as long as they're comfy and fit over my fat feet. <laughs> fit over your fat feet. Fit over my fat feet. I do always remember you wearing Birkenstocks, mm-hmm. though, and I always thought that was so weird. And it, and it didn't matter, because Southern Oregon, we get a little cold around mm-hmm. here sometimes, especially in the winter. And you would still have those Birkenstocks on. I'm like, aren't her feet cold? I used to never get cold, but now my feet are always cold now so that's why the slippers come in handy yeah my wife also loves to wear slippers yes we'll go to home group and she's like can i wear my slippers i'm like yeah you can wear whatever you want there's no judgment no nobody's gonna care what you're wearing no well i mean sometimes they care what you're wearing who cares like right now i got my my north carolina shorts on i got my north carolina shirt on so you might care about that well no well you know i think i always when i think of neil matthews i think if i always have to tell him good thing i love you neil it's a good thing i love you that you're wearing that in my house i know you allowed me in so i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> as i said getting into your stuff getting into your story a while back you got a diagnosis i did yes tell us about that diagnosis and how that's kind of affected you and who you are in july of 2020 I was diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a neurological disease that is terminal. You know, it will take my life. And I had suffered for about 18 months before that to get to that diagnosis through like nine MRIs, spinal surgery, three or four nerve conduction, EMG tests, all of that to get to that point of having that diagnosis. Yeah. And it has been life changing. How does one get ALS? You know what? They don't really know. 95% of ALS is considered a sporadic onset, which they don't know why it happens. The other 5% is a familiar, familiar, but I have nobody in my family that we have no history of ALS whatsoever. It is a disease of exclusion. You have to, there's no certain test that you can take to diagnose it. You have to exclude everything else in order to come to that diagnosis. It's really kind of crazy because like 50% is usually veterans. Veterans, it's a very high percentage of veterans that come down with ALS and hardcore athletes which I am neither one of those. So for some reason, yes, I just was chosen to get this. How did that affect you when you first found out about it? You know, when I first found out about it, it was a sense of relief because for 18 months, it was probably the darkest time of my life. 
that 18 months because I knew something was going on and I was doing everything in my power to get to what was going on because my life was changing tremendously. I was having a hard time walking and balancing and all of that. So when we finally did get that diagnosis, there was a sense of relief because at least I knew what was going on and then we could deal with it. How's your family come around you really in this time? I, first of all, have the best family anybody could ever ask for. It was a very hard diagnosis for my family. We're all very, very close. My husband, who is my absolute rock star and my caregiver, you know, him and I have had lots of tears and we've had lots of struggles as far as dealing with this, but we're really on the same page. You know, my daughter being an ER nurse, she knows the severity of this diagnosis. Um, she's handling it pretty well. My brothers and their families, it, w- it was tough, but they've rallied around me like I could have never imagined. You know what I hear in that too, especially again, like we were talking about your love affair with children and youth and, and just your gregarious personality and, and larger than life personality in, in a lot of respects. I wonder about this lasting legacy. Have you thought about that in any way of what that's going to look like? Because as you said, there's no cure at this point and there's no way of, I hate to say it in this way, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I have thought about that a lot. I feel very fortunate in some aspect that the Lord chose me to have ALS. You know, it's like one in a hundred thousand people get ALS. So this was not just by chance. I know that there's a reason I was diagnosed with this. There's a reason I have to take this journey. And for that, I just I just want people to remember that I shared Jesus. It's like that song, Only Jesus. You know, I don't need a legacy about myself, but I would want my legacy to be that, you know, I brought happiness and joy to people and that I shine Jesus through that. But I would imagine for you, that's a condition that not, again, not a lot of people are going to make it out of. There's no cure for it. There's there's none of that. In that, you count your days a little sweeter, the days that you you're still waking up for. Those interactions with your daughter, you count those as as almost being like, I want to spend every moment I can. I want to capture every moment I can. And I love the fact that you're saying that legacy doesn't necessarily matter if I'm not putting words in your mouth. You just want to make sure that what you're leaving is that you love Jesus and and you're going out that way. To me, that would be the most impact I could make on this world. On on that, you know, we're talking about this aglet, this thing that that keeps us from unraveling. Would you say Jesus is that kind of person that has kept you from an unraveling? And if so, how so? 100%. I think that if I did not have the faith in Jesus, if I did not have the faith in where I was going at the end of this, and the fact that I believe in his healing tremendously. From the moment I got that diagnosis, I remember I was on a video call with my neurologist from Portland when he told me, and there was such a sense of peace that the Lord gave to me, which, and the Holy Spirit has just completely solidified that every single day since then, that peace that I'm not scared, I'm not afraid, I'm not mad. I'm not anything like that. I'm just like, okay, this is this is where it's at. And so that piece, I think, has been what has kept me from unraveling. The flip side of that coin, if we were going to look at that, I think we have to. Some would say who maybe aren't believers, I think the, the term may be atheist or agnostic or maybe somebody anti-faith, if you will. They would say, well, if your God is so good, if your God is so great, he could heal you at this at this moment. He could take it all away from you. You could go back to life as what it was before the condition, before the diagnoses. Why hasn't he done it in your mind? Well, you know, I feel like that this, the Lord 
Lord gives each of us a journey. This is just the journey he's set forth for me. I'm going to have the journey of ALS. And I believe in his healing and I know he'll take it away from me. And that will be probably going to heaven much sooner than what I anticipated. But to me, I count that as a win and I count that as a healing. So I don't feel that I need to be healed on this side of heaven if that's not what is set before me. Hardest part for you in the diagnosis was what? Probably the fact of leaving my family, you know, leaving my family and those that I love so much. And then secondly is probably taking away my independence, you know, without being able to walk and you know, I can't dress myself. I can't shower myself. You know, I haven't driven in a year and a half, um, you know, things like that. So taking away, I was very independent before and worked 12, 13 hours every single day. And so taking away you know, my career and taking away that independence, that's been a little hard because I have to rely on people a lot more when I was the person they relied on. So that has been. What do you hope your daughter remembers most about you? That how much I love her and how proud I am of her. I got really, really lucky with the best kid in the world. Not that there aren't times I want to lock her in a closet still at 28 years old, because there are times I still want to lock her in a closet. She's probably my biggest joy in life is my daughter. You feel like you got that one right in a lot of respects? I think that out of everything in life, that's the one thing I've done right. Done a lot of wrong things. I made a lot of wrong choices. But raising a good kid, raising a good adult, I'm very proud of that. You're on this journey. And a lot of times when we're on a journey, we're learning about lessons. We're learning about, you know, maybe things about ourselves that we didn't know before, especially when we're when we're put to the fire or in the trial. What would you say the biggest thing you've learned about yourself through this ALS experience? I think that I have learned that my faith was much stronger than I ever thought it was. Have learned that a positive attitude and just having grace matters. Yeah, I think my faith and my walk with Christ was a lot stronger than I anticipated. Even though it gets stronger every single day, I've been really thankful that I have that faith because I don't know if I could get through that without it. I don't know if my family could get through it without me having my faith and my peace that I have about it. Now, I know you're active in the ALS community. Mm -hmm. you're, you're speaking at different things, different virtual events that they're having because obviously somebody with ALS, it makes it hard to travel. So yes. even if there wasn't a pandemic going on, it still would be yeah. one of those things that would probably still be virtual. Yes. What are you learning from others through that situation as well? You know, I have to say the ALS Association has been a complete and utter blessing to us from within a week of being diagnosed, our ALS coordinator, social worker was at our house and they have been so, so amazing to us. They've been a financial help, huge emotional help, that sort of thing. I have been so thankful being able to be asked by them to run and to be part of certain virtual events that I can help people deal with it. The one thing that they always reiterate to me is that I'm very joyful and a lot of people aren't as joyful when they're dealing with it. And so I have learned along the way that having a joyful heart and being positive goes a long ways. Can you imagine trying to walk through this without Jesus? Oh. Big baby, what if, again, being active in that community, I would imagine not everyone walking through ALS is a believer. What encouragement would you give to somebody right now that maybe is struggling with ALS, maybe is struggling with a God or a deity? We'll, we'll put that in there, even though I don't necessarily like that. What encouragement would you give to them in that moment? Try my best to share that all the time, especially when I'm on some different support groups that I belong to online and people want advice, but they're, please don't bring God into it. And I always bring God into it. And I always say, you know what? If you're not wanting to bring God into it, you're searching for something. I just try my best to share my testimony. I try my best to share my peace 
and my faith that the Lord has given to me through that. I'm really kind of excited that I get to be part of this virtual um, neopalliative care seminar, this international one, because we get to talk about the need for spiritual care within the ALS diagnosis. And so I'm really somewhat excited that I get to share that because I think it's such an intricate part of it. I couldn't imagine a life without knowing what was waiting for me at the end of it, especially just in our world today with everything that's going crazy. And then to have a terminal diagnosis on top of that and not knowing Jesus, I couldn't imagine the the lack of hope that someone would have. And that would, that hurts my heart to think that. Are there truly others walking through this ALS experience alone? I'm sure that there are. I don't know of anybody in particular. We don't have a lot of people here in the Rogue Valley. I'm in contact with one gentleman, you know, Del Metter, who was the pastor at Bear Creek, and he's dealing with ALS. I just actually found out this morning another woman that I had been in contact with her husband a few times. She passed away last week from ALS. You know, I know those two both had their faith in Christ. I think mostly it has been on on just my website support groups that I'm on that I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people going, oh, you know, we need help with this or we need help with this or we can't get this this device or this part of equipment, you know, what can we do? And so, you know, I try to offer as best advice I can. We've been very fortunate with our insurance and our my ALS team up at OHSU that we have gotten and been able to afford absolutely everything we've needed. A lot of people aren't that fortunate and that's really sad. You've never blamed God once? Nope. I have and I can say that with my hand right here on my Bible, Neil. I have never, ever blamed God once. Why not? Because I just I, I just can't even begin to explain the amount of peace I have about this diagnosis. I really honestly have never, granted, I have bad days, and, and I have days where I'm like, all right, Jesus, you need to take me home now because I am over this. I have never, ever questioned God. I've never asked him why. I've never said, oh my gosh, I wish this would have happened to this person or whatever. I First of all, I would never wish this disease on anybody because it is a horrible disease. But no, I've, nev- I've never blamed God. I really, honestly, I have not. That's mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Because I think the tendency is, no matter if you're a person of faith or not, is to blame that higher power, to blame God, right. to play that game of blaming God. Yeah, and I haven't done that. And if anything, I have a couple really good girlfriends that had been clients of mine forever. They're a mom and daughter. I absolutely adore them. They're some of my best friends. And they come over every about three weeks and pick me up in my van and we go out to lunch and go shopping or whatever. And they both believe in God, but they both blame God for my diagnosis. And so I haven't had time to blame God, even if I wanted to, because I'm trying so hard to bring them closer to God through my diagnosis because they blame God. And I don't want that to be, I want to, I want my diagnosis to bring people closer to God, not push them away. So I feel like if I was blaming God or I was felt sorry for myself, that would push people further away from God. And that's not my intention at all. That stadium that Coach K apparently can't win games in, especially on his last game, If I could kick you, Neil, I would kick you. (laughs) (laughs) But let's say we put you center court. Yes. Cameron Indoor. Yes. I think it's roughly about 10,000, I think, at capacity. I'm guessing because I don't know it because I don't care to know it. But if I put you center court right on that D and you got people from all walks of life Mm -hmm. that are struggling with ALS, maybe they've lost family Mm -hmm. members to ALS, somehow their life has been impacted by ALS. Mm -hmm. And I hand you the microphone that you're speaking into now. And I say, Tina, you get to address the crowd. You get to tell them whatever you want. The spotlight is yours. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm in Cameron Indoor first off. So proud of you. I know. I might even have a Duke (laughs) shirt on in this analogy. I don't know. That's probably too far. If you could speak to that crowd in that moment, what would you say to them? To find joy. Joy is just a word that resonates with me throughout this entire journey. Just find joy in every 
single thing that you do every single day. I remember when my mom, my mom passed away from cancer almost 19 years ago. And I remember traveling with her and, you know, here she was terminal as well. She was only 55 when she passed away. So my life is kind of mimicking hers a little bit. But I remember we were coming back from Eugene one day and she said, see those trees up on the mountain? And I said, yeah. And she said, I used to look at those and just see green. She said, but now... I see every single shade of green. And you look up there and she said, I can decipher between what tree is what tree. I think about that every single day because I look at things so differently and I try to find joy in everything. Every little thing, every person who comes to visit me, every tear that's shed between friends, every prayer that's said for me, everything I find joy in. As weird as this sounds, what are you going to miss the most? <laughs> probably the fact that I probably won't see my see grandbabies you know that probably is you know and I worry about my husband being lonely because you know he won't ever be able to replace me which I tell him there's a whole list of things I think the one thing that bothers me the most is not being able to see my grandkids grow up I'm not a grandma yet I have been so fortunate to be a part of so many little kids lives that I think that I've kind of lived virtually grandma through a lot of them to see my daughter have a child and watch them grow up that's probably what I'm going to miss the most let's say Allison has these grandkids one day and and you're in heaven reunited with mom and Jesus and all the others that have gone before you. I want to give you an opportunity. What would you say to those grandkids in God's will that, that Allison has kids one day? What would you say to those future grandkids? They always need to work hard. They always need to love their family. And they always need to know that everything is possible through Jesus and only through Jesus. And I pray that I've instilled that in my daughter, that she'll instill that in her children as well. Tina, you're an inspiration. You know that, right? Thank you. You know, people say that to me a lot. I'm sure you've gotten that through this process. I'm not the, the first one that have said that. Yeah, you know, a lot of people say that to me. And even my team up in at OHSU tell me that. My ALS social worker tells me that. I don't see myself as an inspiration. I just see myself in somebody who has a limited amount of time left on this earth. And I just want it to be happy. And I want those people around me to be happy. And so I just find that, and really, honestly, I'm not that different than I normally am. I disagree. I think you're a little more ornery than you used oh, to be. That probably is very true. Because I don't care anymore. I don't care. I told everybody, <laughs> if you guys need crimes done, you need a bank robbed, you need somebody taken out. I am way too much work. They will not put me in jail. So just call on me. You really don't think of yourself as an inspiration in any way, huh? Well, I think if I was on the outside looking in, I would maybe think I was an inspiration only because I try to be so positive. You know, that inspiration only comes from my faith in Christ, honestly. I, I cannot say that it was something I've done on my own or something I can continue to do on my own. I think every single day my heart is filled with him. And so every single day, it's just my it's just my journey. It's my journey to be that inspiration and hopefully bring more people to him through that. I asked this question recently to to a guest and it kind of caught me off guard when it came to my head. And, and I was like, well, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But she's struggling with a cancer diagnosis. She's battled with cancer for a long time. I don't know who hears these episodes. I, I try to track it the best I can, but I don't know what ears they get played in. But I said, you know, people are praying. People want to pray. People want to have a reason maybe sometimes to pray. And maybe they struggle with who to pray for. So Tina, if somebody's hearing this right now and they're like, you know what? I feel led to pray for Tina. How could they pray for you? What's a good way they could do that? Um, You know what? I think anytime people ask me, you know, what can I pray for you for? And I say, you know what? Just pray for the rest of my time here that I can just be as impactful to people in the ALS community, my family, my friends, my church family. Pray that I never lose sight what I'm doing or what I'm here for. And that is to encourage and to be joyful. You mentioned the dark days. Yeah. 
What do they look like? Uh, before my diagnosis, like I said, those were probably some of the darkest days of my life. And there were actually sometimes, you know what, Lord, I'm done. I just am done with this. I just take me home because I'm over it. And now dark days when I get tired because, you know, ALS, you exhume a lot more energy or exude a lot more energy. If I get tired, I am more weak than I am already. And so then I typically am a little bit more cranky and which then in turn falls on Mike too. And so those mostly are the dark days when I realize that I can't, like every day there's something else I can't do. And so that the independence thing kind of gets to me sometimes. Those are probably my darkest days. You mentioned Mike, that's your husband. Mm -hmm. Are you really okay going or no? I am okay. You know, I, I do worry about him. You know, we've been together 20 years. You know, I do worry about him. I have seen a side of my husband that I always knew my husband was a good guy. Honestly, I always knew that I was very, very lucky, but he is my 24-7 caregiver. He has to take care of things with me that no husband should have to do for their wives, and he does it without any complaint whatsoever, and he is always there for me. He has just been my absolute rock. And the one thing is I have watched him become closer to Christ through this journey. And I would take ALS all over again in a minute just for that. Just for that, I would take all of this over in a minute. Because I know once I'm gone, he's still going to have that strong foundation. And he's, he's going to be okay. I don't even know what to say when I first heard about your diagnosis. I was like, no. Yeah. Not her. I know. I just know you've been this bright star of encouragement. And I think it's only been ratcheted up since ALS. I feel that. I you, really, you feel I that truly, in some respects? I, I do feel that. And I don't, I, <laughs> lots of times I'm like, well, it doesn't flip and matter anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to say or do whatever the heck I want, because what are people going to do about it? You know? And I often joke to, well, I joke to everybody. I often say, you know, I'm faking this whole thing just so you people do crap. You know, I am going to just stand up and walk one of these days. And my husband's like, I'm going to kick your butt if that happens <laughs> because he does so much for me just felt um it's almost kind of hard to explain the almost kind of energy or just um I guess I always come back to joy that just honestly I almost kind of feel um just this well of joy that fills up inside of me even since my ALS diagnosis I mean it's just gotten stronger here's the definition of Tina I think joy would have to be in that definition for I sure I would hope so I would hope so yeah. because I think you've always had it mm -hmm. and again like I said I think the ALS maybe again because time is short and you know that mm -hmm. And like you said, you just don't, not to be flippant, but you just truly really don't care anymore because none of the stuff it doesn't matter. matters. Nothing matters anymore. Because I think there are people out there still that may, maybe take life for granted. Yes. Maybe think, oh, tomorrow's going to be Thursday. I, I got a Thursday. I got Friday. You know what? I got plans for the weekend. I got all this stuff ahead of me. I got a five-year plan. I got a 10-year plan. I got a 15-year plan. Of course, there are still people that are stuck in like 20 years ago plans. Very true, yes. That are, that are you know, running around with those, you know, bad thoughts and everything like that. But what advice would you give to somebody to really seize the day? You know, I think, you know, the song from Tim McGraw, Live Like You Are Dying. You know, when you do have a terminal diagnosis like this and you do know, and especially when you start to see your symptoms get worse and worse. And so, you know, that day is coming closer and closer. You just, you just have to love those around you and you just have to let them know. Like I try to, each of my nieces, each of my nephew, nephews, my great nephew, my brothers, my sister-in-laws, the people that I'm closest to, I tell them every day how much I love them. 
I will send them text, you know how much you mean to me. Ever want to leave this world without the people that meant the most to me knowing how much they meant to me. But why is that so important? And you know, maybe that's part of the legacy I want to leave because as my, you know, nieces and nephew were growing up, I always tried to keep the favorite aunt status, meaning, you know, the best birthday presents, take them out to lunch, go to the movies, all that kind of thing. So I truly, when I'm gone, I want them to think I had the best aunt. You know, I had the best mom. You know, I had the best friend, hairdresser. I had, you know what I mean? Because I want, to me, that makes me feel like they know how much they meant to me if they thought that I was, you know, the best, that I made them feel good. And that's what I want people to remember. So obviously a person of faith, you know where you're going. I do. You know where you're heading. Yes. What are you looking forward to most in heaven. Oh, God, goodness gracious. You know, just being able to stand at the foot of Christ. I mean, I can't, I mean, often I think to myself what that'll be like. And for so many years teaching Sunday school, I've taught the kids what heaven's going to be like. And it's going to be, you know, the best place ever in the streets of gold. And there's not going to be any hurt and there's not going to be pain and not going to be any sadness. You know, both my parents are there. My grandparents are there. I have friends that are there. But I think probably the one thing that I think a lot of people take for granted and I don't anymore is I can't wait to be able to stand in front of Christ. I haven't stood for a year to be able to stand on my own two healed in front of Christ is probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. When's the last time you ran someplace? Oh, you remember yeah, that? Probably about 47 years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about you as you're describing that. I know yeah. you're not a runner. Right. I mean, you've probably yes. never been a runner no, in, in any, no. well, unless you were being chased by something bad, right? Right. right okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe as a young girl, yeah, even, you, you know, playing hopscotch or running yeah, on the playground. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Did you play on the playground? Oh, no, I'm yeah, just messing I, with you. Of course. Uh, you know, back in the olden days with yeah, the wooden. With the boogie. Yeah, with exactly. the buggy. And, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but as you're describing that standing, see, I don't I don't picture you standing. Okay. You just picture me running. I picture you running. Oh, absolutely. Full sprint. Yeah. Arms up and wide. Maybe tears streaming. And then maybe look down for a second like, oh, my God, I'm running. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of times I will, you know, I get a little jealous sometimes because I'll be somewhere and I'll look and people are just haphazardly walking. And I think, oh, my gosh, what I wouldn't do to be able to walk again, you know. To be part of that world like yeah, Ariel. Yeah, yeah, But that's okay. It's yeah. all right. Again, I think you're just such an inspiration. Thank you. And I'm so glad that we got to do this. Me too. I was so honored that you asked me. It really means a lot I'm honored. To oh, yeah. I don't ever know why people want to come on. Oh, well, come on. You're pretty great. Well, come I appreciate on. that. Yes, you're welcome. If there's one person left that maybe needs to hear that they're loved and appreciated, what would you say to them in this moment? Because again, I know you, time is short for you. So you're going to, you're going to take every ounce. You're going to take every second, every being of, you know, every little, whatever energy you have left. Mm -hmm. Because I still truly believe as we were talking, kind of joking around about the five years ago, people, the past people. If somebody right now is battling with that from past experiences, past hurts, because as you said, ALS is painful. You're in pain every day. What would you say to them in this moment? They need to let go of what's holding them back. They need to let go of what they think in their in their past is holding them back from seeing what their future can be. Because lots of people have things that just weigh them down and they need to let that go to get like their full, the full enjoyment out of their life before it's too late. You know, lots of people wait till it's too late and then they're gone and they haven't enjoyed their life at all. And I've been fortunate enough to have lived a very good life, a very, very good life, a very humbling solid life and so you have to let go of the past and that's that's straight from you mm -hmm. that's your advice yeah but if they don't follow it 
you can't make people. <laughs> right. You can't. But you know what also is you can't, people can't keep you from praying for them either. So even if those people don't want your advice or don't listen to you, you can still pray for them and they can't, they can't keep you from doing that. I think that's the most wonderful thing about having faith and being able to pray. If you get an opportunity, I mean, I don't know how heaven works, so I'd, I'd love for you to just send a text and just let us know how it works. I don't know how that works either. The yes. data rates and all that yeah, might be might really be expensive. Like roaming or something. Could be roaming, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when you get there, if if you get an opportunity to talk to Jesus, what's the what's the one thing you want to ask him? You know what? I always said it was why women have to shave their armpits was for the longest time. I had this whole list of why do women have to shave their armpits? Um, but probably that might be when I ask him why I got ALS. Maybe that when I'm healed in that manner on the other side of heaven, I might want to know. That might be the first thing I ask him was why did you choose me? You know, and then I'm hoping that for lack of a better th better saying, you know, well done, good and faithful servant is what I'm hoping to hear. I, uh, I too, I have a running list yes. of questions. So I don't know if there's a way you could somehow bring my questions with you. And again, just send them back and, okay. and let me know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of people I'd like you to maybe try to go and find, if you don't mind <laughs> yes, also, exactly, if you're willing exactly. to do that. Yes, yes. This sounds really weird conversation. I know I it does, like but that's, do, I would not expect anything less okay, from you. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Nothing. Do you want to play a game? Sure. I'm right. always up for games. So let's play a game. Okay. Um, do you want to hold the cup or do you want me to hold the cup? Well, it might be best for you to hold the cup. Okay. This, of course, Oh, is, my gosh. It's a North Carolina cup. This is my famous North Carolina cup. Yeah. And so we play this game at the end of the show. And okay. I feel like it's only fitting that we play this game. Now, I got to tell you, this cup was on a, a shelf okay. at my house in my, in my home studio. Yes. And somehow the shelf fell. Okay. And when it fell, the cup actually split in half right down the middle. So what a it's, shame. It's kind of a, it's hey, kind of a marker right. that that you know we kind of are broken. Right. Okay. It's a broken cup. Okay. It's a broken vessel. Yes, that's all right though. But with broken vessels, amazing things can happen, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All so right. very true. So here we go. So I'm gonna roll for okay. you, uh, and you can see that I'm not cheating. I'm looking back at my okay. monitor only okay. because I always forget the questions. Here we go. Question number five. You can see okay. that I did not cheat. That is a five, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Just checking. Question number five on senseless is this. What is something you taste that you always seem to get a reaction from? Wasabi. Yeah? Yeah. Really? Yes. My do you love wasabi? I do like wasabi. Okay. Tell me single, more about this. Because well, every single stinking time I do it, which normally is with sushi, which yeah. I love. But I'll tell you what, instant like, poo, Niagara Falls out of my nose. And I know it's going to happen and I still do it. You love sushi that much? Well, yeah, and I don't really like the raw sushi, so okay. I'm not quite with sure. the rice and the yeah California yeah. roll. Yeah, I think it's or like you know the tempura shrimp or whatever. But don't give me like raw things. No, look. So I was in Reno. Yes. Number many, 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 many years ago, North Carolina was actually playing in Reno. I know, weird, right? I was I there. Shocker. I know, right? It was the first game I went to. Yeah, it was the first game okay. I went to. Okay. And was so it I when took you a, at Matt Roy Williams. Yes. Okay. And he signed my hat. Oh. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. And I took a youth kid. Okay. Nobody, none of my friends could go. <laughs> so a youth parent let me take her high school student. I love it. To Reno. Okay. Which was weird. Yeah. Austin yeah. Pratt, shout out but, to you. But Austin and I are walking through a casino and I have all my Carolina stuff on. Oh, cause, shocker. Again, because yeah. we just came from the game. And I'm walking through, through this casino and this guy shoulders me 
True story. Okay. And he's ready to fight me. And I was like, listen. Dude. Dude, calm down. <laughs> so why I bring that up is because we were on our way to a sushi restaurant. Okay. And so I've never really ordered a lot of sushi. Right. And so I order the sushi and Austin's like, yeah, let's get sushi. Let's get wasabi, the whole thing, right? Yeah. So it shows up and it's like a fish. Yeah. Raw fish cut up in like sections. I'm like, mm, this, is not, this is not what I thought it was. I'm like, the rice and the roll. And he's like, oh. And he was mad, and they had to take it back, and I felt oh, terrible. Oh no! Because I was like, "This is this is not no, what I thought we were not, getting." No, no, no. So I learned to order off the pictures. There you go, exactly. So, so where you were know you when I need? You know, know. could have been there. Could have yes, been there. Darn it! Darn it! All right. So last question goes yes. to you. If you could have dinner with somebody right now, mm-hmm. or maybe even spend a weekend with somebody, and just do whatever you want, who would it be and why? My husband. Yeah. Yeah. Why him? I mean, I know the obvious no, reasons. No, no, you know, even though we're together 24-7, um, he's my favorite person. He really is my favorite person. And I would want to, um, especially if it was just a time we could get away from the house or whatever, I just would want to take that time to tell him how important he is to me and how much I appreciate everything he does for me and that he is truly my best friend. Yeah, so awesome. So good. Well, Tina, thanks so much for letting me come into your home of course, and do this. Uh, although I do feel like a little, you know, like I said, I feel like I'm in Durham. Uh, well, good. I mean, you've been a little hostile in some respects today. Oh, I ha- well, yeah, you know. But I wouldn't expect anything less. Well, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, that's our show today. And I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm going to get a little confessional here. Maybe I'm just the odd duck in the room right now. But every now and then, somebody's name, somebody's experience will pop into my head from my past and sometimes even my present. A name will just kind of resonate there for a couple of days and sometimes I reach out to them, sometimes I don't. But for whatever reason, before I sat with Tina, her name popped in my head three different times and at very odd times. Once was like three in the morning, once was like two in the afternoon, once was even while I was getting a cup of tea. But for whatever reason, Tina kept popping into my head I reached out to my mom, who's very good friends with Tina as well. And I said, mom, I don't know why. I'm not sure. I think I know, but I don't really know. But I need to go meet with Tina. Can you help with that process? And my mom graciously, of course, stepped in and kind of became show booking agent. And I ended up having like a preliminary chat with Tina. And I told her about this crazy, you know, name thing coming into my head. And I said, I don't know why. And then when Tina and I got done talking that first initial time, I said, well, I think I do know why. Here's why. I'm starting a new season of my podcast and it's called Aglets. And it's talking about this thing that has kept people from unraveling. And I'm wondering right now in your life, as short as your time is left, maybe there's something that you need to share with someone. Maybe you need to get something out. And this may be an avenue to do that. And she graciously said, yes. She references Tim McGraw in the episode, Live Like You Were Dying. And I can't help but wonder. And here's my question for you, because I always like to leave you with a question to consider as we get out of here. And here it is. You have six months. You have six months to live. What on earth are you going to do with it? By the way, if you're doing the math at home, that's 182 and a half days. You have six months. What are you going to do with it? We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We're not guaranteed a Friday. We're not even guaranteed a next year. And I think if the pandemic could teach us anything and maybe has taught us anything, 
is that life is so precious that it is gone in a moment. Could you hug a little sweeter today? Could you give another word of encouragement? Could you send that text? Could you make that phone call to that person that has been in your mind? You know that one that you're thinking about right now? You know that one that you're like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll call him tomorrow. I'll send him a text tomorrow. I'll go to coffee with him tomorrow. But what if you don't have a tomorrow? Think about that. And also remember this. Don't ever forget. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. And remember, we'll be right back here next week as we walk in other people's shoes.